Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast, brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. We're here in the new set in my bedroom, kind of readjusted it here to have Zach and Connor on board again. We have a great guest lined up. Jordan Drake from DP Review is here to talk about the new Panasonic GH5 Mark II, as well as the new announcement from the GH6 camera. And then Zach and Connor and I talk about all sorts of things, YouTube related, more Panasonic talk, cinema cameras, should you buy them, make sure to stay locked and loaded because this episode is awesome let's go all right we're back again this time in the official golden hour podcast studio zach over to my right your left hello everyone and then we have connor behind the desk running the feed how we doing? <laughs> it's so cozy in here, man. This is kind of cool, isn't it? I like this. It's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, we'll continue to develop this. Right now, you can't really see, but there are lights kind of crowding everything and stands everywhere. We got it'd our be cameras. So, be pretty you cool can, if we you had. You can totally it. see from my angle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, this is like the behind the scenes angle. <laughs> oh yeah, the, true. All the all the mess and everything. <laughs> so yes. maybe we could hang stuff from the ceiling to help with lighting, and then um, these are the only two lights that I have that are any good. Yeah. Um, and they're not. They're kind of. They're not the best lights. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but gets the job done. Yeah. We're chilling. So this is the second episode of our new format here with the three of us. Uh, Zach Mayfield from Kinotika and Connor McCaskill from Connor McCaskill's YouTube channel from Kinotika, from Armando Fiera, and now Golden Hour Podcast. So. <laughs> yep. Just the Swiss I got my hands in everything. <laughs> <laughs> so this week was a great week for camera nerds. Yes. Uh, from Panasonic and yep. Panasonic released some new cameras and we're actually going to play an interview that I did with Jordan Drake from camera store T- I mean a DP review TV <laughs> uh, good and friend of mine and amazing youtuber been on the platform forever man uh, Chris and Jordan have been youtubers like since ever since camera YouTube existed they give me hope in my future yes honestly and I really like their videos still like I like that they have a chill distinct style and they separate it really well between photo stuff and video stuff. I really like that. Like, they have their own segments of the videos. It's kind of like uh, Kai and, and Locke as well, who yeah. are now back. I know. I'm so excited about that. That was some more news that came to us in the camera uh, nerddom world. <laughs> right. Uh, Locke has moved to London to work with Kai. Yeah. Like, they posted a Bokeh Bros episode. They're so fun. Like, they just posted that video of them just talking about kind of what they were doing and how they're reforming into the group. It's like, oh, I can't wait to see what you guys make together. <laughs> yeah. It's just fun. So Jordan Drake actually has the GH5 Mark II, which, surprise, is the camera that was announced from Panasonic this week. He actually had it in hand when I interviewed him. And by the way, we did this interview last night at 11 p.m., so that was a <laughs> lot of fun uh, just because we both have kids. So yeah. let's just cut to that interview with Jordan Drake, and he'll tell us more about his experience with the GH5 Mark II. And we also talk about the uh, specs that were announced from Panasonic with the GH5. GH6. So we'll see you after that interview. Here we are, Jordan. I think last time I had you on, we talked about the uh, the short film that you were working on or, or that you worked on for like a year prior to that. It and was, then it yeah, out. it was a while ago back then, but it was just finally getting released and <laughs> yeah. you were about to embark on a few life changes, <laughs> I recall. Seems like yeah. you've had maybe seven of them since then. So, <laughs> No kidding. Yeah, I guess that was, was that before I was working with Indie Mogul? You were like, Psst, Jordan, hey, I got some news. I can't tell anyone yet, but I'm going to be doing the Indie Vogel show. It was very, very on the down low at the time. 
<laughs> well, uh, that kind of is over now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to start this on a bummer. Yeah. I mean, today was a crazy day. The, the time of this recording, your video went live on DP Review this morning. Both and, of them, uh, yeah. Both of them. Yeah, you did a double whammy. That's that's rare to do two in one day. Not often, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who um, aren't familiar, the GH5 Mark II uh, just came out from Panasonic. It's been rumored for a while, and we have Jordan Drake holding it right now. Pretty incredible. Wow, you actually have it's, it. Uh, it's just imagine if you want to know what this is like, just grab a regular GH5 and <laughs> pretend some of the buttons are red, and pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it's the same ergonomic experience. Yeah, I've, I've got my favorite camera right here, the Olympus EM1 uh, Mark III. Um, still rocking this bad boy as my daily driver for uh, taking pictures of the kids and just kind of like random YouTube videos. And yet again, another camera comes out with this sensor. Yep. <laughs> the GH5 Mark it's so, II. It's so crazy. When I was making the video about the GH6, I went back and I was like, when did this sensor come out in the GX8? I know that was a while ago, but it was six years ago. Uh, oh, almost, man. Like at the same time. So that, that must be a record for uh, camera, camera manufacturers to be using the same sensor. I know the T2i sensor... The 7D sensor was used for a long time. I think they put it in the the T3i, the T4i, the T5i, the 70D, the 80D. Um, but you know, maybe that one I think, takes I the think case. I think this is but. the record, honestly. <laughs> the, the 20 megapixel micro four thirds, and uh, it's taken on many shapes and, and sizes too. You have cheaper bodies from Panasonic and Olympus. Uh, you have some like the EM1 that have a, a variant of the sensor that has phase detect. So we know it's possible to have phase detect good autofocus on this uh, sensor from Sony. Uh, and it's frustrating that, again, here we are, the GH5 Mark II. You would think that Mark II would solve all of the issues. And the only issue that comes to my mind that I really want fixed is the autofocus. Is the autofocus any better on the GH5 Mark II? So it's, this is the weird thing, because usually I can give you a blanket statement, but at 24 frames, it's still not great. Um, yeah. Now, it's a little better if you shoot 24 frames with a fast shutter speed. So if your eyes don't bleed the way that mine do, if you look <laughs> at video with fast shutter speeds, then yeah. uh, that is actually going to help you out quite a bit. But uh, when we did a autofocus test at 60, it was dramatically improved. You can see that in the GH5 review so it's just the more information the camera gets fed uh it's doing some very smart stuff with the autofocus mm. system it's just not getting enough information at 24 frames per second to know exactly what speed things are moving it seems so i'm hoping it'll just continually get better but uh it does seem to be like the one big restriction to all of the um depth from defocus and contrast detect yeah. algorithms they're using they just hit a wall it seems it's um that's no surprise. I mean, that's exactly how the S5 and the S1 and the S1H, that's how all those cameras work. I know when I did my review on the S5, I found that to be the case that, you know, shooting 60 frames per second, the autofocus was pretty reliable. And uh, if you go into the crop mode on that camera, do the super 35 mode on the uh, S5, I found the autofocus to be better as well. So I would assume that they're sharing a lot of the same code and the same, you know, a lot of the same things with those full frame cameras now in the GH5 too. Um, but I just, I don't understand why they don't just bite the bullet and put phase detect on it. I, I don't, I don't get it. It's like, 
Yeah, there was a really great article that uh, Richard Butler wrote on dpreview.com about that, where it they might be playing the long game with this, because, you know, like the S1H sensor is still fairly slow scanning. The GH5 sensor is quite old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, not to jump ahead too much, but just based on what we know with the GH6, it looks like that's a smoking fast sensor. Yeah. Maybe that's where we'll really see that huge jump forward you know it might just be that the algorithm is really refined it just needs faster readout so i'm i'm yeah. like, fingers crossed they might have <laughs> cracked the code on that yeah and i think it, there is something to be said there with that uh maybe by them holding out they're gonna be able to just go on to whatever the next form of technology is i've seen some incredible stuff with lidar and there's yeah. been some rumors that we would see some sort of lidar enabled autofocus from Panasonic or maybe some accessories. Obviously, DJI has this little LiDAR thing you can put on your camera now that interfaces with the Ronin. Um, so we know it's kind of possible, but um, and it, it, LiDAR autofocus-assisted technology is on the new iPhones as well. It seems to be working really well. Um, at least on my phone, it's pretty incredible. So um, I don't know. But it's, it's still frustrating that all this time, you know, Casey Neistat, you switched to that camera back at the height of his career. And I remember at NAB, it was the week that he switched. And I talked to a Panasonic rep and he said, yeah, our, our sales went up like 40% over the last week oh, because sure. yeah. Casey switched over. And then, you know, he's he had to switch to, you know, back to Canon essentially because he's like, I, you know, the focus sucks on this thing. So it's definitely gotten better since then. That's for sure. Um, but I think there's a lot of filmmakers that are rolling their eyes at this conversation as like quote YouTubers. I think we can kind of get wrapped up in the features that we want. And I know for me right now, I'm sitting here in this room with a C70 that's tracking my face. And if I didn't have that right now, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing right now. So it is something that that we as uh, content creators definitely want. And they're kind of marketing this towards vloggers and uh, streamers, especially. I mean, there's some really cool streaming features, but again, it's just odd that the focus sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, well, one thing I'll point out is the S1H is filming me right now in uh, AFC face detect. So uh, keep an eye on that too. And if you Ah, see it wobbling, let me know in the comments because I'm not keeping really close tabs on it right now. (laughs) Okay, okay. It's better than nothing. I mean, I started on a manual focus camera for years and i think you manually focus I still, right? I still manually focus like there's times where i'll click on an autofocus if i need it in a shot but it's an exception rather than the rule but a lot yeah. of people rely on autofocus and i totally get it when i'm filming myself i love it you know yeah exactly, exactly. i'm in a fortunate position where i'm generally a camera operator filming a host yeah unless i have to host and that <laughs> then you switch the autofocus on for chris yeah exactly <laughs> he's a good focuser he's, good. he's improved he's improved over the years um so what, what else is new with the gh5 mark ii um it's an all-new processor um they're doing some really interesting stuff with uh creating a a stream key now you can with the camera i mean that's really cool i've never seen that before yeah it's pretty sweet so you can just through the camera directly uh send out a signal to facebook or youtube um and then you know you're not using your smartphone you can use your smartphone as a network or you can just go right through wi-fi uh you know or plug the camera into your computer um but then, uh, yeah, you can have it generate a stream key that you could plug into any third-party streaming software. So, you know, that if, if you want to do Twitch or, you know, you're running like 
Uh, like private lessons would be a really common use of that right now where you don't want to make them public. Um, anything yeah. like that. Yeah, you can generate a stream key and use it wirelessly. It's pretty slick. I haven't tested it a lot because I didn't want to be streaming with an embargoed camera. Uh, a few people <laughs> did. Uh, oh, like yeah. in my... Uh, uh, the camera store, you know, our friends here uh, in their video, they recorded some of those uh, segments mm -hmm. with the streaming software. Uh, okay. So people are doing it. And yeah, it seems pretty intuitive. I'm looking forward to playing with that more now that the camera's public. I mean, I would imagine it's still nowhere near as, you know, elegant, elegant as this, right? I've got a cam link uh, Elgato here, uh, but I've just plugged in over HDMI. I mean, d did you do any tests with that? Is the latency bad? Is it decent or it's pretty good. I mean, the GH5 has generally been pretty good for latency on those, uh, which is why I use it as a streaming camera a lot. Um, well, I mean, with the wireless I, thing, you know? With, uh, again, I've, I really want to actually test it out. Oh, okay, gotcha. So sending that signal over to my phone, I don't trust. I want to get a computer right beside me and see how bad exactly. it is. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. More, more to come um, with that. Okay. That's the That's one thing cool. I didn't get a chance to test too extensively, unfortunately. <laughs> so... I mean, I guess that's, is that kind of it? I mean, they, they changed, uh, they, they changed the paint on it a little bit. <laughs> well, I think the big thing, like there's been so many nice little additions that they've made to the cameras over the years that just haven't worked their way into the GH5 because it's the old processor. So, yeah. you know, you're getting that, like the, uh, ability to set the lower levels on your camera. Cause the GH5, if you sent a mic with a strong signal and you couldn't turn the camera down low enough, That's even right, line yeah. level, uh, it was a real problem. You get things like, uh, the ability to resize your waveform might sound like a small <laughs> thing, but if you've used a GH5, the waveform takes up the whole screen. It's a nightmare. So, yeah. uh, just the ability to make it big when you're exposing and then make it small when you're actually recording <laughs> is a really, really nice perk as well. Uh, totally. so it's a lot of small stuff like that. Uh, the ability to do 4k, uh, 60 and 10 bit now. It was 8-bit before. So mm -hmm. it's it's all just, it's funny, more and more with all these cameras now, it seems like it's processing power that's the bottleneck. So it's I never yeah. thought I'd be like, man, I can't wait to buy my camera. It's got a new processor, you know. Yeah. We're, we're actually kind of <laughs> moving that way. That's exactly what this is here, the EM1 Mark III. Yeah. And then the, uh, I've got the Mark II here. And th as you can see, I mean, they're the exact right same. Yeah, but you got to get that handheld high res, and you need the new processor for that. So, and I I like having a joystick as well on the back. Oh yeah, on the EM1 Mark III, um, and I the Pro's Raw. I could as well. just monologue about the EM13. It's like my favorite. I, like just really travel. like I, I love that as like a family or especially landscape. I do you like my little setup here? I got the uh, was the 15 millimeter Panasonic on it. I love that lens. Yeah. It's a 28 mil equivalent, so I just take this around with me when uh, I'm with the kids, and I have the Polar Pro um, Defender on it, which is a really nice, simple lens cap solution. I can just th literally just throw this in my uh, in the baby backpack, of course, where all the diapers and yes. uh, snacks go. You, uh, you the best kind of padding. You know, that's one of the best things about father life is you get a stroller and a backpack you can put a ton of crap in the stroller you can put a ton of stuff in the backpack it's all stuff that you couldn't just carry around very easily um i'm probably these pelican just... cases get a yeah. stroller it's gonna be probably the same price honestly <laughs> you i think you posted a tweet one time it's like i always get excited when dave gets to the point in the podcast where he talks about being a dad <laughs> 
No, it's specifically when you try to encourage other people to become dads or moms. That's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's what I perk right up like I was doing it again. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. They, they got, yeah, they're married. You've been married for how long? Oh, you guys need to get, get, get some kids in there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's a whole other topic, the Olympus cameras. I'd love to get the uh, Red 35 guy on the show. I've never actually met him. He's like the Olympus... Uh, <laughs> the guy with the the torch with the olympus people on uh youtube i don't know if you know what i'm talking about i forget his name but it's a channel called red 35 i think mm-hmm. and he just talks about olympus like non-stop that's all he ever talks about so um it's a shame that you know i see the gh5 mark ii and the gh6 and i'm like well okay that means that olympus could do something sort of similar i know it won't be but i don't know we'll see um we'll see <laughs> so they said uh when they were acquired they said one of their big emphasis is they want to get in the video space more so who knows yeah. maybe maybe jip will be the best thing to happen to olympus for us video shooters who knows we'll see um i think and then obviously they did, they also released uh the announcement of a new lens that'll be a perfect pairing with the already incredible 10 to 25 17 lens do you have it? Is that the? I, 10 I don't to have the new one. No, this is the ten to twenty-five. Okay, which is cool, my baby. I adore this. Lens. <laughs> that lens is amazing. I yeah. uh, and it's amazing on an Olympus camera too, by the way, because uh, the autofocus is great. <laughs> I remember I went to the Panasonic booth at Cinegear with that lens and an Olympus, and I was like, "Yeah, this lens is perfect for YouTube if you have an Olympus body." <laughs> I'm sure but, they appreciated uh, that. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Care. Matt didn't care. He he just laughed at me. Matt's great. Matt's amazing. Um he and i have had some little arguments about the autofocus but that's neither here nor there um but yeah they they released that lens an amazing fabulous lens is it worth spending that kind of money though uh on a micro four thirds system in 2021 i mean i guess because of the gh6 um which we can now transition to basically the gh5 mark ii if you are in the market for a gh5 buy the mark ii because it's it's better right yeah. But you don't need if, if you you're need a G- camera to match or something like that. That's who I see it as. So many like schools and stuff have a fleet of GH5s because it's just such a workhorse. So yeah, totally. if you're up, if you're replacing some broken down models, just grab some GH5s. But you know, if you're looking for the next big thing, it's the GH6. Absolutely, and that that's going to be most people who are probably still holding out with their GH5s who are filmmakers. Um, so if you're a filmmaker, you, you know, you're a freelance uh, DP. You're happy with your GH5 with your small rig and the Atomos that's probably mounted on it 24-7. Just hold out out for the GH6, which um, can we talk about some of the specs of the GH6? Yeah, I mean they gave us three, um, but it's kind of it's kind of awesome how much we can actually read into those. It's like they knew which ones would get a conversation started, uh, so it'll do sixty frame per second, five point seven K ten bit. Uh, so we know mm. it's around a twenty four megapixel sensor, uh, which is again Perfect. a resolution bump on Micro Four Thirds. This <laughs> yeah, because these are twenty, right? Yeah, the, the, exactly. Trumpets when I heard that. Uh, <laughs> 24, is, 24 is a great middle ground. I think that's what the EOS R is. And I, I feel like for most people, that's kind of the maximum you really need for, for just standard photography. Yeah, you know? like I use an R6 all the time for family photography, which is a 20 megapixel body. Yeah. It's great. It's uh, so yeah, I find that's going to be very usable. But it will be nice to have essentially like a 
full resolution recording, which you could do with the GH5, but it was tied into like the 4K photo mode. So no yeah. audio, you know, uh, it wasn't really fully baked. So, um, but that lets us know that it also lets us know it's going to read out quite quickly because with the S1H that's shooting me right now, if I film that in its 5.9K mode, I'm capped at 30 frames per second. It just can't read out at a 60 mm. frame per second. We know yeah. this can. So already it's going to be a fast sensor. Uh, and then the next spec is 4K 120, which again makes me think... I hope there's no crop. That'll be the real question. If yeah. it's no crop 4K 120, then this sensor is really a huge step forward. Um, I'm opposed to rolling shutter. It may, yeah, it may have a crop. That was my first. I, I know you said I'm hoping, and I, I do hope that. I agree, but my money is on that it does have a crop. That's my that's my bet because well, of what Panasonic has done in the past. Yeah. And uh, you look at something like the A7S III, the uh, A1, um, they're all mi like minor crops, but there is a crop there. Uh, but to I get that redone. I guess if you're able to do 5. Point, it was a 5.7 or. Yeah, 5.7. I guess if you could do that, then it's it's pretty beefy. So it, in theory, it could probably handle 4K120 as well. So we'll see. Yeah. I, the thing that I think really all that's great all the like numbers are great but one of the things that those numbers and the specs even when they officially announce it announce it won't show us is the actual image quality and the dynamic range mm -hmm. my good friend Jevin Dovey he had a fleet of GH5s just like you said um, and he just switched over to all A7S 3 and I think he bought two FX6s as well um, he does fitness videos um, kind of like full time uh, with his YouTube on the side, believe it or not. But um, he was just like, I've, I forgot how much dynamic range I was throwing in the can shooting on these GH5s. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as he switched over to, to like a modern Sony sensor, it was just night and day. Even with the standard profile, um, he was getting way more dynamic range in it. And so um, I feel like, and I, I love the, the, the reason I love the Olympus is because their picture profiles are so beautiful. I love the natural uh, picture profile on here. I rarely shoot log on it. Um, I had a big Twitter log debate with people recently, so that was fun, but uh, mostly just to generate a rise because I knew it would. But uh, <laughs> so, um, that's one thing that I'm hoping for is that the this newer sensor has better dynamic range i would assume that it will but that's well, not something they've told us yet the saga of vlog is so weird because we had like vlog l on the gh4 uh and then they carried that profile through to the gh5 which we know from stills had more dynamic range but used the old profile then they brought out their box camera which they're still calling it vlog l even though it has more dynamic range and huh. then there's the full vlog that they have on the full frame and the cinema cameras which is a beautiful wonderful profile i use all the time so i i'm very curious i'm hoping it's capable of going to full vlog. We'll have to see. Uh, but just like you, I'm, you know, I'll use log when it's very high contrast and I need it. But the majority of my shooting is in a 709 profile and I just try and pin my exposure yeah. down properly. Yeah, I've, I've been shooting on the wide DR profile on the C70 and it gives me just enough room on the top and the bottom to, if I need it. Um, but it gives me a great starting off point. And I, through your recommendation, I, when every time I shot on the S5, I shot on the Rec 709 uh, profile, which is a great, a great looking profile. Skin tones look great. That's one of the things that I think Panasonic does really well now is they've really t uh, dialed in their color science. Yeah. It's really good.
Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping we see all of the profiles from their full frame bodies or even better on this thing. So is that is that all the specs that we know of, I guess? <laughs> That's all the specs. They told us yeah. the price will be around 2500 US, which wow. really undercuts the A7S III totally. and uh, like the R5, the A1, all the cameras that spec-wise it's competing with, it's going to be less expensive, which makes sense because it's a smaller sensor at the end yeah. of the day. And I think it's it's wise for them to do that because I think that was always what the GH5 was in the marketplace was um, a somewhat, you know, it, it wasn't cheap, but it was always just kind of a staple and it was a, a, a good affordable price point uh, versus going full frame and going crazy with cinema cameras and stuff. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, you know, that's pretty much it. I'm really excited about both of these cameras. I would love to get my hands on uh, the GH5 Mark II, honestly, and just try some of the new features like the streaming and stuff. I think that that could be really interesting if it's good. Um, I doubt that it's like as good as just plugging in over HDMI, but in a pinch, it could end up being a really interesting solution for people. Well, out in the field, right? That's where it's really compelling to me. Exactly. Is, you know, instead of a smartphone to just go yeah. throw the camera on a log and stream through my phone would be pretty cool didn't uh sony do that with their phone um clipped into yeah. the a7s or whatever <laughs> yeah totally the uh forget Xperia the name of it because it's not sold something. in canada we don't we don't oh. get those hot sony smartphones <laughs> up here cool well i'm real excited about all this again everybody go over to dp review tv to watch these videos as well as Whatever video you're working on now, it sounds like you've been a busy oh, man. boy over we, there. We got a Blackmagic video assist shooting out with the Ooh. Atomos Ninja, so uh, that'll nice. be out here very... I do some acting, so you can look forward <laughs> to that. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Jordan, so much for being on this uh, segment of the Golden Hour Podcast, um, and hopefully... Are you guys planning on going to NAB? In October? So, I'm still not sure. I mean, the border's still closed, Dave, so we'll have to see oh, where we're okay. at in October. Yeah. I'm hoping. I'm Jeez, I'm terrible. I didn't even know that. Okay, we'll see. Pay more attention <laughs> to Canadians. We're like half of <laughs> camera YouTube. Come I on. Did. I do, but I don't. I don't look at the news. I just watch your videos. I listen to Renee Ritchie, like <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I don't know all the little details, uh, politically speaking. I don't know. I should probably get better at that. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Jordan. Let's yeah, get some sleep. It's like, it's like 11 over here. So, <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Wow, what a riveting interview with Jordan Drake from DP Review. I, I personally love his thoughts. We didn't watch. You, you didn't watch anything. We well, just... but the edit will make it look like. Yeah, yeah. So that's really what matters. <laughs> Do you think that the lack of 8K is an issue? Like some people on the internet are like hoping that it would shoot 8K. Does that even matter? Oh, man. I've been talking with people in my Discord lately, actually, about resolution. And it seems like a lot of creator people that do video and filmmaking don't care that much. I personally don't care at all like I 4k is what I shoot everything in and I talk to a lot of people too who still just shoot in 1080 they just have a camera that shoots in really nice 1080 or they shoot in 4k and like um, downsample to 1080 upload in 1080 I mean we're shooting 1080 right now for yeah. this podcast yeah it looks fine um, especially when we're mostly most content is streamed on our phones yeah and it's hard to even stream in 4k and not a lot of phones have 4k screens yeah 
I like 4K a lot just for like the future proofing, but for me personally, 8K is like not even a question right now. So 5.7 is a great medium ground because you do get a little extra boost when you're doing a 4K delivery. Yeah. You get a little extra room. You could zoom in a little bit. You could crop a bit for interviews if you want to do like a two shot. Um, and obviously starting with a higher resolution and outputting that into a lower resolution gives you much more sharpness and clarity. So. Yeah. Um, that'll be great. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the footage looks like. And then the autofocus is really, I think, the biggest thing that I'm going to be just twiddling my thumbs about. is like, are they going to fix the autofocus issues? Because the GH5 Mark II clearly hasn't fully solved it. Yeah, I don't... I don't think it's going to be any better, to be honest, which <laughs> yeah. is really sad because it would be such a cool option because a lot of solo filmmakers have these cameras that, and they want to fly them on gimbals or steady mm-hmm. rigs, and you can't always afford an AC or somebody to assist you, mm-hmm. and just having at least the option to use autofocus is so nice. Yeah, and then obviously for us uh, spoiled YouTubers, we want <laughs> it for self-shooting. That's why I switched to the Olympus to begin with is because it has phase detect um, autofocus, yeah. which is similar to a Sony or you know the Fuji's. Uh, I found it to definitely be better than Fuji autofocus. Um, yeah. So anyways, so we know it's possible to do micro four thirds with phase detect because of Olympus. They but. just need to do it. Is there some sort of like issue? I, I think I read something a long time ago where when you do like that pixel autofocus or dual pixel or phase detect, whatever it's called, that it can degrade the image quality or something, but that's what all these Pan- high-end cameras have it and it <laughs> yeah. looks great. The Panasonic people, when you talk to them at like a conference or something, that's always their kind of excuse for it. Yeah. Um, and that is technically true, but clearly like the R5, which has a phase detect, it's Canon's dual pixel autofocus, but it's similar clearly it's really good it looks like, awesome sony has the best autofocus on the planet and their colors are getting better and better each year yeah um, panasonic's gotta they gotta step it up a little bit i don't know yeah. dave didn't we talk to a panasonic rep at nab once and you were specifically asking them why are we still doing face or not doing face detect autofocus it was contrast-based autofocus and he did bring that up but you tend to always bring up the argument of, well, you're using a Sony sensor anyways that's capable of phase detect, so you are still (laughs) losing the quality and you're not giving us the yeah. ability to use phase detect. Well, so do you want to like touch the, on that at all? Or is that just still kind of rumor I mean, territory? Again, I hate to bring back the stupid Olympus camera, but <laughs> the Olympus EM1 Mark II has the exact same, like the exact same sensor as the GH5. Oh, I didn't know that. It's just it, when you look at the sensor, people, there's a company that does x-rays on cameras and they'll see the serial numbers of the sensor. Oh. Um, this has the same serial number as the GH5 serial number with the letter B at the end of it. So this is like a variant of that with oh, phase detect. That's crazy. So the fact that this exists and that this has <laughs> phase detect means that Sony makes micro four third sensors with phase detect for Olympus. Yeah. And why Panasonic is not doing that, I don't I don't understand. Maybe it could it could be like a patent issue. I think like, it's a bit of a pride thing too because when we went to Connor, you remember it was so much fun going to Germany for a Oh my gosh. The very, it was actually the last Photokina. They shut it down officially. Aww. So we were fortunate enough to go, but um we talked to a Panasonic rep there and he I was kinda going on and on about all this and he was like, Look, we've spent like millions of dollars on this you know, millions <laughs> and millions of dollars on this depth by defocus technology. <laughs> they don't want to give it up. They don't want to give it up. Oh you know? man, come and on. As you heard in my conversation with Jordan, it's kinda like we could sort of see like Panasonic wait long enough to where the technology kind of catches up with them and they just adopt whatever is the next thing yeah. that, that will be better. Maybe LiDAR 
uh, technology right, yeah. combined with autofocus. But anyways, we're kind of, we, we should probably move on. <laughs> I, I had a couple more things really quick about yeah, okay. this. Okay, I'm sorry. It's kind of about the GH5 Mark II, though. First of all, that's so funny that it's just a GH5 Mark II. Like, they did come up with a different name. That's kind of funny. <laughs> um, but also, we're talking about, like, you're mentioning the size of Micro Four Thirds and the lenses. I agree with the lenses. The GH5 II is bigger than the S5, the body. <laughs> yeah. It's like chunkier than it is, the S5. It's a chunky boy. It's so interesting. And I, I did a review on the S5 recently on mm. Kinotika, and that camera is... It's so good. ...is sweet, and it's not that much more expensive. Yeah. So my question is, who is the GH5 Mark II for? That's because a good point. I would recommend the S5 if you are set on going with Panasonic, mm -hmm. and you need a You really don't care nice, about the autofocus too much. Yeah, because it still has really good IBIS. It's better. And the, and the um, full-frame for stills especially is like way better than micro four thirds <laughs> yeah. like that's the thing you can kind of get away with video for, with micro four thirds but once you start taking pictures on a micro four thirds body with a micro four thirds lens mm -hmm. there's just no comparison between full frame and uh, micro four thirds yeah and so yeah that's a good point like who's it for why i mean i guess there's a little bit there's more pro video features on the gh5 compared yeah. to the s5 it's full hdmi you know you get a lot of great settings in there but the s5 is pretty dang close and you could buy the S1 as well, um, which has now been updated to do raw out and everything. So, Panasonic is doing some cool stuff. I just want to see them kind of like be a bit more competitive. With, yeah. I mean, mainly just the autofocus. Honestly, I mean, everything else is pretty great. Like selfishly, if they if they were to just to like do freaking good autofocus, like <laughs> I I would be on the panty Dude, bandwagon. That's the only reason I left. Like if the S5, imagine if the S5 had the same autofocus as a Canon or a Sony. Yeah. And Dude, it was the same price. It's like a no-brainer. Yeah, I love the color science. The they they seem to really get and understand like video specs. They have all sorts of great you know ten bit raw all these different settings. They even have like waveforms on the monitor. Yeah, that kind of stuff is what I appreciate. Just like good exposure tools. That was yeah. one reason I didn't like the Fuji XT4. Just like one. I mean, I like that camera, but it just had the tiny little photo yeah. histogram. It's like I can't do anything. And with the. This. I think the ergonomics on Panasonic bodies are good, like the the button layout and the mm -hmm. grip and everything. They really understand kind of the whole package. And they made the best screen ever with the S1H. It's got the tilty, and so the photographers are happy, and the YouTubers are happy. <laughs> it's they great. brought us all together. I know. Now we just need that screen on all other cameras, and we need Sony or Canon autofocus in <laughs> Panasonic cameras. Then you can just pick what you want and be happy. <laughs> I mean, we are kind of at that point, right? I mean, the A7S three at the end of the day is kind of the perfect workhorse right now. It's sweet. I mean, that's what you have. That's what you shoot on for everything. I've got the C70 over here. That's our wide shot. Um, mm -hmm. And it's pretty good, but it's a little big. It's too expensive. It has some limitations. Yeah, it is expensive for what it is, but it's very reliable. For like pro video cool. work, it's great. Mm -hmm. So, Zach... A lot of people watching this video may be, you know, up and coming YouTubers, people who want to do YouTube full time. Mm -hmm. How do you make a YouTube video? Walk <laughs> oh, me, oh walk me gosh. through your process because now you're doing Ooh. a lot of consistent um, content on Kinotika as well as your personal channel. Yeah. So just walk me through your process. So yeah, for me, I guess yeah, we'll just talk specifically for me for Kinotika because it's a different process for both of my channels. Um, but so. If I'm making a review, which is my job, so that's what I do most of the time, I will acquire the product, whether... <laughs> First, I'll ah. chug the coffee. <laughs> I'll acquire the product, uh, whether by renting it, which is what I do a lot, 
um, or buying it or borrowing it, whatever it happens to be. And then I really try to spend as many days possible going out and shooting with that product or testing the product. Um, and then like periodically while I'm testing, I'll write down notes in my little notebook and then based on all the tests, so like reviewing the footage, grading it, listening to the audio, whatever it is, then I write a full script based on that. And I know you're more of a bullet point guy. You're super mm-hmm. good at winging stuff. I can do that, but I, I feel like I tend to not be as thorough mm-hmm. or I just like mess stuff up or forget stuff. I'm just not as good as you well, at that kind of stuff. When I was with Indie Mogul, almost all of those were scripted. I yeah. read a prompter. So. They were super good too. You can feel, I feel like you can tell when stuff is scripted, um, but like the person's also good at performing it because it doesn't feel fake. Yeah. You know, like you're just kind of vibing with it. I think it's hard to, and you do a great job at it because I didn't even know you did prompter. Um, so mm-hmm. you, you've clearly done a good job because I didn't even notice. Yeah. I try to, so like I'll write my entire script and then I'll set up my talking headshot, everything, microphone, all that good stuff. And then I'll kind of pick a paragraph. Pick a paragraph. I'll pick a paragraph. Pick a pack of pick a paragraph. Pick a paragraph. And then I'll I'll kind of wing it based on that one paragraph. So I'll kind of improv certain lines or add a joke or mm-hmm. go back and fix something. That way I'm not literally reading to the camera. Okay. So I kind of go line by line. Because you don't have like an actual prompter, right? You have right. a screen off to the side. Yeah, it's something? just my phone mounted next to okay, my cool. microphone and recorder. So that way it kind of forces you to look at the lens and kind of try to remember the paragraph if yeah. you need it you can kind of glance yeah exactly so i just kind of like read a couple sentences and then i kind of like improv that That's to good. the camera yeah we used to do that connor you remember with kinetica like i would make sentences of bullet point i would do bullet points but i'd also write down full sentences and then we would like remember when we'd go to laguna oh my gosh all the time i definitely remember paradise laguna, at least paradise would, like once a week we would just like well, yeah, we got to review this thing. Oh, let's just go to the beach and shoot it there because it always looks amazing. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, I would just like pull out my phone, read a segment, and then we just move somewhere, get a new shot, yep. and just do the next bullet point. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, it was... It was like pseudo scripted. It was... I, I guess they were more than bullet points, but also not, not a script. Some, yeah. Somewhere in between. Yeah. I and think then, that's a good way to do it for YouTube. Still feels like a YouTube video. Yeah, you know, it's not like a super productiony mm-hmm. feel. Yeah, I mean, when you, I, I got to see, um, what's his name, Jimmy Kimmel live, like, right when we moved to California, which was obviously before COVID and all that. But um, everything was scripted. Like, oh, really? Except for the conversational okay. aspect, but. Um, you know, every time he's looking at the camera, there's a prompter with every word written down. So Dang. it's really dialed. Yeah. Like super dialed. I suppose it has to be when you're working with a time crunch like that. Because they do, they do like a live edit. And then as soon as the show's over, like it's done. They, you know, they might add a bumper to it or whatever. And That's then they, so cool. But they would shoot it at, you know, two o'clock or whatever. And then they'd be done at four and then upload it to abc TV. or whatever <laughs> tv.com. Yeah. <laughs> upload it to tv.com. But okay. So you, that's your first you know yeah thing so, you do yeah record and you, so you actually write it down by hand <laughs> no i do my notes by hand but i actually type in a document for my script do you find that to be like soothing or something to write it by hand like yeah, I, I just like to carry my little notebook with me like today i got my little podcast notes and i feel like writing it physically kind of gets it out of my system so mm-hmm. it's not sitting in my head uh-huh. sometimes just typing i can kind of like 
lose focus of where I am and yeah it th- this just feels more raw I just like this for certain yeah. stuff you don't get notifications when you yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah it's always turned off <laughs> but yeah so yeah I have my talking head recorded I have all the test footage from the few days with the product and then I go into the edit and I just I, I've found that scripting things makes my edits a lot more punchy because mm-hmm. it's like this one solid line of me talking to the camera and then right after the sentence is finished it cuts to like a b-roll shot mm-hmm. And I just like that flow. And then usually, I guess, one of the last steps for me is product B-roll. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I'll improv stuff to the camera and be like, oh, I got to get a product shot of this custom button on the camera, whatever it may be. Um, so I save product B-roll for last in mm-hmm. case. So I don't have to like go back and set it up twice. Yeah. And then I lay the product B-roll in and color grade and export and we're good to go. And you're good to go. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of the workflow, I guess, for tech reviewers, for gear reviewers. I, I would love to interview, like, some entertainment people, yeah, you know? Yeah, like commentary stuff. Yeah, I like, wonder what that's like. Like, some of the people we talked about in the previous episode, um, like Nakey Jakey, like, if we could ask him his process. I'm sure it's just all scripted. You know? Yeah, his is all scripted for sure. Sometimes he shows clips of his script, like, as he's <laughs> saying it, and it's like... It's so cool. Hey, I love it. Doesn't he have it like off to the side on like an old fat laptop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so good. I love it. But those kind of videos when you're commentating on something, I feel like there's so much research because mm-hmm. our research for gear is just going and testing it and like mm-hmm. writing down what we think about it. And then copying some of the specs from B&H. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, dude, I do that for every video. <laughs> I said that in a video once and somebody got mad at me. I was like, why are you asking me this? I, I'm just reading it from B&H anyway. And someone like got mad at me in the comments, but it's true. Well, it's B&H haters? Come on, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, there's another channel I watch, Curtis Connor. He's mm-hmm. an amazing commentator person, and his videos are so in-depth. They're like anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes, mm-hmm. and he releases usually one a week, maybe maybe every other week. But like he did a video all about AI script writers, and it was, dude, it was like one of the funniest and like most well-made YouTube videos I've seen recently where he like writes this video and then he puts it through this AI processor and it rewrites his script basically. <laughs> and then he records the video from that script and it's, it, dude, it's so funny. But that kind of video, I feel like that takes so much experimenting and like researching and writing before you actually record which which video are you referring okay, to okay um it's something about the weird world of ai or something like that record speed run no right. not speed running just google curtis connor ai and it'll probably pop up okay but yeah that's hilarious if you guys like comedy videos or commentary yeah. stuff please check out curtis connor i this one i steal a lot of edits from this guy he's an amazing editor ai generated content yep that's it cool yeah, I mean, I I love that type of stuff too. And it's it, YouTube kind of has its own language, really. And once you learn how to speak that language, you you definitely see it in other people's content. Yeah, the zooming in and the you know crazy effects and stuff. Adding reverb on your voice or dropping the pitch. <laughs> Do you think that's gonna like? Is that a fad? Do you think that that'll change over time or what? I don't know, man. It's been around for so long. What you think, been doing it for like a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And. Uh, yeah, I guess um, a lot of OG YouTubers still have that same kind of genre, that style, that yeah. genre. Yeah, I think you're right, though. It's like the YouTube language. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of purposefully breaking, mm-hmm. you know, creator rules. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't crop in in 1080 if it's already past 1080 or whatever. It's like, <laughs> no, just zoom in 600% and then add digital noise to that. <laughs> to make it look even worse. And that will make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, 
you know, my process is honestly really similar when I was doing gear reviews. Um, I would typically go out and shoot with the product first before I shoot anything. Yeah. Because then that also kind of uh, contributes to the script because it's like based on my experience, this is what I learned or whatever. Um, so usually it'd be when, when Connor and I were working together with Kinetika, the first day we would just go shoot with it. Like, we'd just go to the beach. He'd film me filming. I'd film him standing on a mountain with the wind blowing in his hair. Looking off to the side yeah. slowly. I, there was a lot of slow-mo shots of hair back in the day. <laughs> and then the next day, I would bullet point based off of that. And then that's kind of it. It's just two days of shooting and then one day of editing. And that's the bada way to bing, do bada it. boom. Gosh. But we had to have that workflow because we were doing two videos a week plus a live stream. So we didn't we didn't have as much time to just honestly invest maybe more time like we needed to to fully review a product we yeah. really had to turn out a lot of video content but yeah, the thing with your guys is but i don't know, care like <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to go into depth like yeah well that's what's cool is like if you're a camera person and you enjoy watching camera videos on youtube you can kind of pick a collection of different creators to be your camera posse mm -hmm. to learn different things like you might watch gerald undone to know like literally every spec and how it scientifically works and then you might watch Kai W to see like, what's it like if you just take it out on the street and take photos and have a good time mm -hmm. with it. And your guys' old Kinotika videos was just very like, hey, let's go out, have a good time, hands on, mm -hmm. and just see what we learn in, in a couple days. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as like the viewer understands, you know? So cinema cameras versus hybrid cameras. Ooh. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because again, here we are using both. I have the C70 and we have two X-T4s. Mm -hmm. The A7S three has all the features of a cinema camera, but they also sell the FX6. Should somebody consider... And then, of course, Blackmagic, which comes in at like a crazy price point where you're spending the same money on a hybrid as you would a Blackmagic cinema camera. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Should you go for a cinema camera or a hybrid camera? Mm. Also, really quick, there's the FX3, mm -hmm. which is just a more expensive A7S3 <laughs> that overheats and doesn't have an EVF. <laughs> Does it actually overheat? Uh, I uh, Danny Giverts did a little review. I don't know if you've seen his channel. He's a really good filmmaker guy. Um, he said like sometimes during his even his indoor talking headshots in 24p 4K, mm -hmm. it was overheating. But I've filmed like super long with the A7S3 and never had it overheat, even in 120 4K. So, we we used the FX3 when I was shooting with Armando, and we were shooting in an un-air-conditioned uh, warehouse, and it was fairly warm because it was California, Los Angeles, and we didn't have it overheat at oh. any point. So I don't I don't necessarily know what's causing his camera to overheat. It's yeah, interesting. maybe it's just a, a quality control thing. Who knows? Dude, who's this Danny Gewurz guy? He's amazing. Dude, he's awesome. I like this uh, format that he's got here. So basically, his channel is filmmaking but he doesn't talk about gear like his fx3 review was one of his only reviews in the past couple years hmm. and he says that in the beginning of the video um, but yeah he makes really cool stuff just about learning filmmaking and like he's got a very warm, looks like a good hang he's got a friendly personality we should get him on the show that'd be sick a home for young filmmakers mm -hmm. let's see oh yeah that how to shoot for nike that video showed up in my suggested feed forever yeah he's killing it man he's doing a good job Cool, man. Good for him. Good for him. Anyway, but yeah, um, cinema versus hybrid. Yeah, it's cool because the two different variations of cameras are slowly becoming one. Like the C70 is a great example. The mm -hmm. FX3 kinda. It's just kind of a rehoused A7S3, but but then obviously Blackmagic is so cheap, and the the new 6K Pro is coming in at a similar price point as the A7S3. Yeah, 
in my C70 review from a month or two ago, I basically said in the world of like the Komodo C70, FX3, those cameras, I would pick the Pocket 6K Pro over all those simply because of the price versus like the specs you get mm-hmm. with it. Um, and that's coming from the standpoint of like shooting for other people, not mm-hmm. self-filming. YouTube's a different story. Yeah. But I think the 6K Pro looks sweet. I haven't used it, so that's a whole different thing. <laughs> it looks really cool for the price. Connor, have you had some hands-on with it? or? Yeah, actually, I, I have had some hands-on with the 6K Pro uh, twice now. Um, I was shooting with a um, local production company here in Tennessee. And um, after the two productions, uh, I wasn't really shooting as much. I was doing more PA work with the guy. Mm-hmm. The second shoot, I did get to shoot um, a little bit with the camera. And I asked, his name's Jim, I asked Jim afterwards, because he just got the 6K Pros, he had sold all his Canon stuff to do that. And I was like, what do you think of these now that you used them twice? Because you're a real production company, he's doing big shoots for Sony Entertainments. Um, And he said, honestly, he doesn't like them, they're too clunky, they have too many quirks, (laughs) and he's gonna sell them all and get something else. Uh, Which I thought was interesting, I mean, it's it's a kind of like a review from a production company. They did have a lot of weirdness to them. Also, the ND filters, he said the quality of the ND filters is really bad. Huh. The internal NDs, so I mean, he wouldn't even recommend using it, which makes that kind of obsolete. Hmm. It's also coming from the perspective of very high, high end. end stuff. He's working with Alexas and high end uh, Canon Cine cameras and stuff. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with Black Magic is if you get into that world, like there's a reason why it's cheap. Like the build quality is pretty low. You know, I don't. Dude, I had the Ursa G2 for a couple of years, and it's like maybe my favorite camera i've ever owned it was an absolute tank there's but so it was like an all aluminum design the nd filters i thought were sweet um and yeah, i the image love good i love the black magic menus connor i don't think you like black magic very much from what we've talked about but i love their menus they're so simple once so, you learn I, the little I, gestures i do like a lot of what black magic is doing um i think a lot of i think it's cool that they're bringing cinema quality so to mm. speak to a we need to more budget audience, we need to reorient you know. for the next show connor because it's weird that you're just talking <laughs> he's facing the wall he's facing, yeah. it's like he's in the connor corner dude yeah. connor you're gonna sit this direction <laughs> done? You don't look me in the eye well honestly it's hard because i'm realizing too that they're just gonna look at the top of my hat yeah because i'm i'm looking at the the editor over here instead yeah. of the camera everything's great. i guess since you're using your ipad like i thought you would maybe want to use my computer so but <laughs> i could just reorient you to where you can look up and talk to us next time we'll figure it out it's it's a work in progress it's all good um cool well that about wraps it up for today's episode of the golden hour podcast it was a blast make sure to subscribe let us know your thoughts on this new format on the new set in the comments down below zach thanks for coming on it's a blast to be here thanks everybody let us know what you think of us being together because for us it's a good time Connor, thank you for uh, hosting as well and running the stream. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, guys. Once again, I'm Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Bye.